Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big undefeated Tennessee Hober? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, I am fired up. I hope you can hear it in my voice. We got two guests on the line. We got Nick Roush, one of our favorites, Kentucky Sports Radio, John Reed, Fox Sports Knoxville. Going to preview the big game here in the SEC, of course, Kentucky at Tennessee. We got Mm -hmm. coaches talking trash all over the league. (laughs) We're finally going to talk some Auburn, Arkansas. I am fired up. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I got a lot of feedback last night. Everybody or uh, today, they were just wanting to know where, where, where's the Arkansas news? Where's the Auburn news? And I said, <laughs> "Man, me and I got like you know, I got a little blistered yesterday, and we got to going, and and even at the end, I even recapped all the games, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was missing one. And then we got <laughs> off, and then about two hours later, Mike says, "You ain't gonna believe it." We done dropped off Arkansas. We don't even care about them anymore, Mike. No, that is not true. We care about every team in the SEC, so we're going to open up with you boys. And uh, we just figured you guys needed a whole day by yourself. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, Shane. But before we get into that game, man, I just wanted to play this clip because it's something we've kind of, you know, may have overlooked, Shane. I I know Steven Lassen, when he made his weekly appearance, he alluded to it. But, mm-hmm. you know, all offseason, Shane, it was Jimbo versus Nick Saban and this back and forth, back oh, and yeah. forth. But really, it all started, Shane, with Lane Kiffin talking about NIL and how they got all this mm-hmm. incredible budget to buy players in College Station. Those are his words, not mine. And uh, Jimbo did not take kindly no, to that. Have the same, you know, funding resources as as some of these schools do, you know, to for these NIL deals. And so it's basically like dealing with different salary caps. We now have a sport that has completely different salary caps, and some of these schools are, you know, whatever, five, ten times more than everybody else of what they can pay the players. So I know nobody uses those phrases, but that is what it is. So I joked the other day I didn't know if Texas A&M was going to occur a luxury tax, you know, and um, how much they paid for their signing class. Now that game is here, Shane. Both these teams desperately need a win. And on the SEC coaches' teleconference, Kiffin was asked about losing his defensive coordinator, DJ Durkin, to Texas A&M. These comments are gold. Yeah, he's like, we tried to keep them, but they they outbid (laughs) us. They have that's what they do over here. (laughs) Oh boy, Lake Kiffin, man, he knows how to stick that knife into someone when they're when they're on the ground, doesn't he? Absolutely, kick him wide down. That's why. I, that's why I put the mortgage on this one, man. Because if this one gets out of hand, Ole Miss is just going to squeeze, and that's all because that's the the mantra of Lane Kiffin. Yeah, and one other one, Shane. I just thought this was gold. We've actually never had a clip from this guy featured on the show, but he is doing a tremendous job this season for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Special teams coordinator Pete Limbo. 
man, this this guy, he's an interesting character, Shane. His press conferences are some of the best in the SEC. But, of course, it was his unit that kicked things off against A&M. I just realized it seems like we're just beating the hell out of A&M. Apologies, <laughs> but this is more about the quote than anything else. Pete Limbo on returning the opening kickoff. Man, this is a good one right here. You know, there's there's nothing more awesome uh, in football, and I don't mean this with any disrespect to the opponent, but when you run a kickoff back along the opponent's sideline, uh, it doesn't get much better than that. I mean, that's like that's like standing on the street corner as a coach, uh, or you know, you're a regular guy. You're standing on the street corner, and and a car goes by, and and your girlfriend's sitting in the passenger seat of some other guy's car. That's 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 the analogy that that feels like when that kickoff return goes by you, uh, um, you know, down down your sideline. So. Um, <laughs> Well, like I said, Shane, I mean, this guy's a, he's a quote machine down there. <laughs> Special teams coordinator Pete Limbo. We got we got to give him credit for that one, don't you think? Oh, that was awesome, man. I'm going to say we, we may have to play that one twice, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, we're about to get all this Auburn, Arkansas before we get to our outstanding guests, Nick Roush, John Reed. But mm-hmm. we love to try to hit on as many teams as we can. And I think I've come up with a fun little way to do that, Shane. So before we get to it, let me let me make sure you understand the topic here. Yeah. I got seven games that I've picked out that are remaining on the SEC schedule. Okay. And these, I've ranked them, Shane, by I think all of these are have upset potential. And I'm going, so number one, I think, is the biggest possibility for an upset. Number seven, maybe the least likely. But do you, okay. do you get what I'm going for here? Yeah, probably not, but no, I'm just kidding. I think I, got, I think I got this one here. So, and let me let me chew it up and throw it back at you. So, basically, you're saying from the remainder of the schedule, yep, seven potential upsets that you some landmines, yeah, laying exactly. out there, and you're gonna do it from least likely to most likely to happen, right? Okay, and here's how I'll define an upset. I mean, I feel like this is how everyone should do it. I'm just going by what I believe the point spread is going to be. So that's how you determine an upset. You know what I mean? If if you, if, if a right. team is not favored but they win a game, I'm considering that an upset. Does that make sense? Absolutely. If you think it's going to be a pick you're not going to include it on this list. Exactly. So okay. I got seven games, Shane. I want to, I want to see if, if you agree with me on these. Number seven, Alabama on the road. At Ole Miss, November 12th. I, th- I think we have to throw this into discussion, and I'm, I'm putting yeah. it there because I assume, hell, Alabama's a favorite damn near every time they take the field. Mm-hmm. So they are going to be favored in this game. Ole Miss, you know, I, I think they have a shot. They got to play perfect, but it's, it's last on this list because, you know, I don't want to say the wheels are falling off at Ole Miss, but, but certainly they got exposed a little bit last week. Yeah, I think so too, man. And and th- and I think this one's always going to be on the list because if you think of last year's game, this was I uh, hope you brought your popcorn. And uh, <laughs> that didn't last long, you know what I'm saying? I think yep. Lane said that thing wasn't plugged in, but uh you, you still that still has to be lingering out there because I don't think there's another coach in the SEC that wants to beat Nick Saban. Well, besides Jimbo probably, but I would say Lane Kiffin's right up there with him. Mm. All right, how about number 6? 
on my list, Shane. Georgia at Kentucky, November 19th. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm putting it low on the list because Kentucky under Mark Stoops, they've never beaten Georgia. I realize, you know, they were one of the very few that kind of even came close against the Bulldogs mm-hmm. last year. It did take a late score, but they gave them their best shot. It just wasn't enough. I need to see Kentucky beat Tennessee before I even will entertain that they can beat Georgia. Is is that fair? Oh, extremely fair, Mike. And uh, is this a little pandering going on? You know, you get somebody from Kentucky, and now we're we're predicting upsets against the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I, I this this one's you know we thought. I did personally thought that this would be the game that would decide the East coming into the season and, and uh, something they're going to talk about here in a little bit in your interviews, but it just feels like Kentucky has, has finally got their pieces together. And, and as long as they stay healthy and as long as they can, you know, kind of battle through some of these tough games they got coming up, you know, they're in an interesting spot there. You know, Georgia's got, you know, an interesting run, if you will. Haven't talked about them a lot, but their their schedule gets a little bit tighter here in the back end. So you go Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and then Kentucky. So mm-hmm. um, I, I like that it's at home. So this one's always got to be – you know, it's got a little asterisk by it. It's not going to be an easy game. That's why they call it an upset. Yeah. All right, how about number five on my list here, Shane? Alabama mm-hmm. at LSU, November 5th. That Both these teams oh. on a bye this weekend. They'll face off in Death Valley next weekend. Mm-hmm. I might put this a little bit higher if I had a little bit more faith in LSU, but – you know, I certainly yeah. think they can get it done, but I just I don't know how likely it is. Thoughts on that? Well, I mean, just a two score favorite out of all the teams that Alabama plays, usually it's it's more than that. And the fact mm-hmm. it's at night, Death Valley, got to cut like you said, a couple weeks to prepare for this thing. I, I I think this is a game. You know, Kelly knows everybody's going to be watching. And including Notre Dame fans. And he wants to prove to the country that he made the right decision coming down there to Baton Rouge. So I expect everything from the kitchen sink to be thrown at Alabama here. (laughs) All right, how about this one, Shane? Number four on my list, Tennessee Mm -hmm. at Georgia, of course, November 5th, two weeks from now. I think it's a a little bit more likely that Tennessee could pull off the upset in Athens, but – Again, that mm-hmm. is going to be a monumental ask. Do you like where I put this, or is do you think it's less likely? Do you think it's more likely? Thoughts on that? Uh, right now, I think it's in a I think it's in a good spot, brother. Um, I, I I do. I think all the games that you mentioned, this one I could see actually happening. And I'm not saying that just because I'm a Tennessee homer, <laughs> but I mean that's part of the reason. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, you know. They they've been serious underdogs before this season has and have come away with a victory. So yeah. that says a lot about the character of this team. This is a team that has the ability to put points on anybody, even the best defense in the country. Because I know a lot of people are saying that George is the best defense, but statistically, you know, there's some there's some. I don't know. I don't know how they do all these computer things, Mike. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. I see I see a list that tells me that Alabama's the best uh, per yards and per carry. You ever seen those? And then. And I just like I take it, so I'm like, oh look what we did to number one defense. But then 
eye contact. You know, I know Georgia Bulldogs has got a hell of a defense, but I do think that Tennessee is going to be able to move the ch- uh, chains with them. So, yeah. uh, this one's going to be a fun, fun, exciting game. And and I know we've kind of already hinted on it a few times this week, and people are like, "Come on, give Kentucky some respect." But uh, I, I think you're about to here in a minute on your list. Exactly. You. It's like you're looking at it, Shane. Number yeah. three, Kentucky at Tennessee this weekend. Again, I think that should give you an indication of where I'm leaning, Shane. I think Kentucky has got a shot here to pull it off this weekend. Thoughts on on where I have this game? Well, it's it's interesting enough that uh, Tennessee is – if you're looking at Vegas, uh, we're 12-and-a-half. We're 13 – Tennessee's 13-and-a-half with Georgia. So, mm-hmm. Vegas is predicting that this be a tighter ball game than Tennessee-Georgia. So – you know, if I'm looking at that, I mean, the, the writing's on the wall. And, and, and you know, I'm not saying that Tennessee's going to overlook these guys at all, but it's a common thing. Every every time we have somebody on the show, they always want to go to Georgia, Tennessee and Georgia, Tennessee and Georgia. It's like Kentucky has a top 25 team, guys. And, and, and if you just look at, oh, this is what they're seeing, brother. They're seeing, oh, South Carolina beat them. Yeah. You know, oh, old uh, old Miss beat them. You know, and but you're not like you didn't watch that game. You don't, you don't. I mean, most of them didn't watch how that played out. Hell, some of them didn't even know Will Levis didn't play during the South Carolina game. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, that's why I cut off the bourbon bets. I, I don't want any more because it's too risky. Because I am worried about a trap game here. So, Mike, I think you're. I think this is perfect on the list here. All right, how about number two, Shane? And this may surprise you, but again, I'm going off what I project the point spread to be. South Carolina at Florida, November 8th. I I realize South Carolina's on a heater here, and Florida's got some tough, tough games coming up here. Georgia, Texas A&M on the road. But I still think Florida will be given the respect by the point spread over South Carolina. Thoughts on that? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Mike, you may turn notifications off because I can hear them typing now. Did you not look at the AP poll in <laughs> South Carolina top 25, Florida not? That would be the upset the Gators winning. But I think you're right. By the time this game is actually played, I do think Florida will be favored. You know, not by much, but right. I still think that they're going to have – you know, a, a one possession or one score uh, spread anyway here. So, yes, I could see this. I was kind of hoping you'd go to Clemson, though. I think that would have been a <laughs> been a better one here. I, don't get me wrong. I think South Carolina-Florida is going to be a hell of a matchup and it's going to be an exciting game to watch. But this has got to be the year that, that South Carolina upsets Clemson, right? I mean, they're going toe-to-toe against – people have – don't I love the bearded trader. But they went toe to toe with Syracuse, you know, and and I I don't care, I don't care how many writers they got up in ESPN. They ain't got no damn football players. It's Donovan McNabb. That is not a football team, brother. You know, so get that the hell out of here. Switch it out. I want Clemson on here. All right, number one on my list, Shane. I hope you're gonna agree with this one. LSU at Arkansas, November eighth. Mm. I just think based on what we've seen, based on LSU's talent. They're going to walk into this game as a favorite, but I like Arkansas's chances to win at home and keep at golden boot. Thoughts on that? 
look here, 15 minutes in the show, and we're just now talking about Arkansas. <laughs> why, why do you hate Arkansas, Mike? I don't get it. <laughs> oh, I'm saying they're going to pull this upset here. <laughs> no, I messed it with you. This this is a sneaky game, brother, yeah. because I think of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, here you're coming off, you know, your emotional win with Florida. You've got Ole Miss. They're, now, you're, now you're picking up steam. Win, lose, or draw this week with Alabama, there's going to be a natural letdown. Yeah. And you got to be careful because Arkansas is still dangerous. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as their quarterback's there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> as long as no one else gets hurt on that defense, I think Arkansas is, is going to finish the season a top 25 team, Mike. I just – it's not one of those programs that you can afford to overlook because as soon as you do, they can put points on anybody. Mm. Well, I'll tell you who did overlook them, Shane, you and I on the last episode. So let's, <laughs> let's jump right into it. Arkansas hosting our, uh, excuse me, Auburn hosting Arkansas. And mm. man, do we got some issues here on the plane, Shane? Uh, four players have hit the portal this week. Mm. From the Auburn Tigers, Traverius Dawson, the receiver. Landon yep. King, another receiver. Defensive tackle, Zacavius Walker. And cornerback, A.D. Diamond. And according to reports, Shane, what happened essentially was these players said, hey, we want to redshirt the year and, and just stop playing. And Brian Harson said, well, you either play or you quit, or you enter the transfer portal, which is it? And they said, well, <laughs> nice knowing you, Deuces. coaches. We're in the portal. So, <laughs> on the outside looking in, you see that, you say, my God, Auburn's falling apart. But, you know, in reality, they are still fighting hard for this, I, for, mm-hmm. for this coach. I think what this says is maybe these are just guys that are just are not bought in clearly and, and wanting to save that eligibility. And maybe it's a little bit of that, like, bunker mentality where it's, where it's us against the world. But, hell, Shane, it's already been that all season long, and it's not helping. So, uh, losing depth going in, going down the SEC stretch, it's, this could be a nightmare, don't you think? Brother, we all work with these people, you know? I mean, <laughs> I got a couple at my office, and it's, it's always the grass is greener kind of thing. And it's like yeah. they're going to go anyway. Let them go. Sometimes they're a cancer in that, that locker room. Um, I think this is, you know, I'm I'm not panicking. I mean, there's enough shit to panic about down there in Auburn than losing a couple of uh, dudes that don't want to be there to begin with. Mm-hmm. I need I need you to buy in. This is when I need you to have my back. Is is at the tail end of this season. There's some games that Auburn can still win, including this week. And you can't do it if you've got players pulling you down, you know, putting that negative mojo, you know, not doing 100% in practice, you know, little things like that. That bleeds over into the field. And then next thing you know, one or two drives where you've dropped the ball or you missed a block or some shit like that. Next thing you know, we're, we're, we lost another game. And, and Brian cannot afford that right now. He needs to have a, a united front in that locker room. So, um, I whatever, get them out of there. I, we got to focus at task at hand. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me just say this about the Auburn Tigers, Shane, though, that, uh, you know, you can make the case that they have really started to kind of put it together on the offensive side of the ball, at least mm-hmm. as much as they can. I mean, they get, they get the ground game going. Robbie Ashford at times has looked really good, particularly at home. 
you know, we'll see what the crowd looks like. This is an SEC game, Shane. This is this is a wild series where there's there's a lot of crazy things happening. You called Missouri South Carolina poor man's game of the week. <laughs> I'm calling this one poor man's game of the week because I think it's going to be high scoring because I got very little confidence in Arkansas's defense. I got very little confidence in Auburn to do much of anything. So I mean, this may be like the first of. 40, 45 points. I think it's going to be back and forth, back and mm-hmm. forth. I just don't have confidence in Auburn to to get there, but I, but I certainly think that they can. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, Vegas, is they got the over-under at 62 right now, so think mm. about that. That's a lot of touchdowns. That's a lot of field goals. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, this isn't – Missouri and Auburn, <laughs> you know, with this, this is what, you know, let's just leave the defense on the sideline and see who can score as many points as possible. So no, I think this will be a fun, exciting game. Uh, it's not sexy. It's not drawing the attention. Obviously we snoozed it and went over it, but the more that you look into it, I think this is, this is a make or break for both those programs, man. I, I Arkansas, we, we kind of said that with, with the BYU, it's, it's, it's a yeah. wake up call. They, they need to get, this get this ball rolling they've they've had a little break they were able to heal some ailments and and it and it needs to be a starting point for them if if Arkansas is going to make that run for the tail end of the season and 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 I'm not saying Sam Pittman's in trouble losing his job but you know he may be in trouble losing some recruits if he doesn't get some momentum down there in, in Arkansas and you do that by beating teams like Auburn but you also beat off uh, shit. <laughs> I was gonna, well, you may want to edit that one out. <laughs> what I was going to say is you, you, you shoo off the, the negative. I'm getting fired. I, even though we right, right. all think Brian Harson's going to get fired at the end of this thing, mm-hmm. you know, there's still that lingering. Well, can they afford it? And, and, and if he can close out the rest of the season with a couple of upset victories here in the SEC, who knows? They may give him another run at it. But th- this is it's, there's a lot of pressure coming into this game. Right. Yeah, hell, I mean, if they win the Iron Bowl, all of a sudden he's going to have a lot more fans down there at Auburn. <laughs> yeah. You know what? But- How much potential do you guys have to get better in the final five games of the season? How much potential? Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we better. All right. I know what you're asking. We have we have a long we have a lot of potential to get better. Uh, and I and and that's the that's the great thing, right? That's the motivating thing is when you come back in, you're disappointed, but you really start to dive into and you make it factual, like what happened. All right, it's all fixable, right? Those things are fixable and. When you don't have effort, one of the things that, you know, when you don't have great effort, when guys quit or guys give up, that's a problem, all right? Because that's bigger than a scheme. That's bigger than a coaching point. That's bigger than a drill you can do and all that. And, and you don't see that, all right? You see guys digging in. They may not get where they need to be, or we didn't put them in the right position to be successful either way. But when you have effort and you have guys out there trying really hard and they practice like they have, and they practice like they did yesterday. Um, there's a lot of potential, and guys that sit in this room, they see that too. We watch the tape; they see it, you know. And when you're sitting there and you're going, "Okay, you're you're a lot closer 
to making that play or making something happen really special right there, and you see that, okay, this is all this is what we got to do. So that makes you want to prepare harder, makes you want to go out there and, and do it uh, even better that we can practice. Because, you know, in the game, you can be that much better if we just work on it Tuesday through Friday. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, every guy on this team has potential. We're still – we're developing, all right, every single game. And I, I say it to our guys all the time, football is a developmental game. All right, every single week you have to get you have to be getting better. There's no peaking, right? I mean, you're playing until the very last game, bowl game, championship game, whatever it is. You should be playing your best football. And as a football player, every game you play, you should be playing your best football. You're the most physical you've been. You're the smartest you've been. You had the reps and the experience now is better than you've ever been. And if you're not thinking like that, you don't get to play this game very long. Some guys, this is it. All right, college will be the last time they ever put on shoulder pads and a helmet. So you want to be at your best every week and maximize it because you don't get to play this game very long in your life. So a lot of potential. To your point, to your question, we have a long ways to go and we have a lot of potential to get there. Let me ask you about Arkansas. You mentioned that uh, BYU game, KJ Jefferson threw five touchdowns. They yeah. At the end of the game, they, they basically kneeled it out. Otherwise, it could have been six there. They were just grounding and pounding, and now they've had two weeks to to rest for this game. How much of a, a spirit lifter can it be, Shane, to go into a bye week to get that win, and now you're coming in, you are going on the road to a place you've struggled at, to a, a program you struggled against, but you are the favorites for a reason. You should be going to this game. Ton of confidence. Your offense is damn near unstoppable when it's healthy. Mm-hmm. How much – momentum do you think the Razorbacks have going into this one a, a lot Mike a lot and I and I think they they proved it to their sales last week when they went to BYU and came away with the victory mm-hmm. and, and and having that extra week to kind of heal especially that defense side of the ball I think we're going to have some you know a little bit more competitive depth because you know when you look at their schedule beyond Auburn they've got Liberty LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri, I can convince you that they can win all those games if you give me enough time. And and if we win out and, and we finish with a 9-3 and three season going to a, a – I don't know if it's a New Year's Bowl, but it, I would imagine it's a hell of a game. Yeah. It, that's – that's again it's momentum it's it's a program that's moving in the right direction obviously we didn't have the depth that we want but it's still depth that we can create and uh, I think Arkansas is in a good spot I just think we convinced ourselves earlier in the season that they were further along than they actually were right and and the beauty is Shane I mean Arkansas fans lived it they went through just just an incredibly difficult stretch of the season now LSU and Ole Miss will be going right through that as they come to Fayetteville. So, yeah. in a way, it lines up really, really well for even, like I said, even if LSU is a favorite, even if Ole Miss is a favorite, which I, I don't think they would be at the, by the time they have to play at Arkansas. But even if they are, I still like Arkansas to be able to pull those games at home. But it's got to start here on Saturday. Otherwise, that's nothing but a pipe dream, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they've lost three in a row. Um, but like you said, they're talented. There's really a lot of noise down at Auburn about, you know, Brian Harson. Just what, what are you expecting from them? Uh, you know, I think they're playing really hard. Um, you know, it's Auburn. They We haven't beat them, you know, so I, that's a, since I've been here. Um, 
were 0 and 2 against them, and and uh, uh, but they, I think they're playing hard, and for them to come back after being down 21 nothing last the last game against Ole Miss and come back and make that a a close, good football game uh, on the road. I think it says a lot about uh, their coaching staff and the kids still believing in them and playing extremely hard. And then you, your team went on a run in the second half of last season. Is that an experience you feel like you can draw in this season? What well, do you draw from that? Yeah, we're trying to. We're trying to do a lot of things similar to what we did last year in practice and the bye week, except we, you know, last year we went ahead and practiced on Thursday physically. Um, um, but I think anytime you have the same players, some same players on your team that did it, you know, uh, fairly well last year, and we didn't win them all. We I think we won four out of the last five. But um, I think that always helps and helps the belief of, you know, coach just at ending up there blowing smoke. Um, we've done it before, and we'd have opportunity to do it again, and and uh, we need to honestly. The podcast is brought to you by Fubo TV. Fubo TV gives you complete coverage of college and pro football with NFL Red Zone also included, plus games in 4K at no extra charge. If you want to be like me and get rid of cable, Fubo TV could be your solution. Over hundreds of channels of live sports and entertainment for only a fraction of the cost of cable. Watch on all your devices. With a cloud-based DVR, up to a thousand hours of cloud-based DVR included in this. There's no contract, no commitment. You can cancel at any time. And right now, Fubo TV is giving you free Fubo for seven days and get a 15% off your first month if you go to FuboTV.com slash SEC. That's F-U-B-O-T-V dot com slash S-E-C. You can try it for free for seven days and get 15% off your first month. All right, buddy. Hey, let's kick it over to our interview here with Nick Roush. This is an all-timer. This, this is the most we've ever talked about Cousin Shade on one of these damn interviews. I, I felt like you were doing the interviewing. Oh man, when he came over at SEC Media Days, I thought I thought when the lights came on, Mike was gonna get his ass whooped up here in front of Paul Feinbaum and everybody. <laughs> All right, we're pleased to once again be joined by friend of the show, Nick Roush, one of the best out there covering the SEC. And of course he covers the Kentucky Wildcats for Kentucky Sports Radio and on three sports. Nick, how's it going, buddy? It's uh it's going well. Excited for uh Man, one of the bigger games that I've covered uh, for the University of Kentucky, Kirk Herbstreet. This will be the first time that Kentucky's getting the Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler treatment down at Neyland Stadium. And so uh, the Cats get a chance to play spoiler. And as bad as that South Carolina loss was and as heartbreaking as that Ole Miss loss was, filling the score there on the final three drives, you can get a lot of goodwill back if you go and wreck Tennessee season down in Knoxville this Saturday. Yeah, and it's a huge weekend for us on our show, of course, because we got the the bourbon bet going live with many listeners. We got a lot of loyal listeners from <laughs> Kentucky and the first ever in-person bourbon bet between Nick Roush, Cousin Shane at SEC Media Days. If Kentucky loses, 
Nick says he'll send some of that fine Kentucky bourbon down to Cousin Shane. Mm-hmm. If, if if Kentucky wins, Shane's got to send that whiskey up to, to I believe you live in Louisville, right? So That's correct, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's play the clip real quick from SEC Media Days just to verify I'm not making any of this up. Last thing I have for you, you know, I know this may be a little bit sensitive for the Kentucky fan base, but the Tennessee – Kentucky game. They used mm-hmm. to play for a beer barrel. Yes. And I realize why they don't do it anymore. Tragic death. It was, yes. But, but do the Kentucky fans, do they want that back? Because Tennessee people, we're dying to bring that we, the yeah. beer barrel back. We, we need to bring it back. And the problem is, is we've got an athletic director right now that beer is a four-letter word. You know? <laughs> Unless you're rich. If you've got money, you can drink it in the suites. You can't yeah. drink it anywhere else. But it, it is one of those things that I know there's a negative connotation around it. Yeah. But this is a cool damn trophy. Can we not just have a cool the trophy best. for a rivalry game? And now we're finally winning it every once in a while. And, it doesn't hey, just have Tennessee wins all over. I don't want to put you on the spot or anything. You, you don't have to commit at, it at all. But we, on our show, we got a lot of Kentucky fans. Mm-hmm. So because there's no beer barrel, what we do is we do, we call it the bourbon bet game. Okay. And if Kentucky wins, they have to sell us. We they send us we, Kentucky okay. whiskey. No, no, if, if they win, which is, you know, not often. Rare. But it's very rare. rare. <laughs> we send them Tennessee. Tennessee whiskey. Okay. And then we'll get. Well, uh, mayor's bet. I'm up for a mayor's bet. Okay. Let's do it, Shane. Yeah, yeah. All right. yeah. All right. Deal. You got it, brother. Deal. <laughs> yeah. Deal. All right, and then Nick. So, Cousin Shane, he did want me to make this offer to you. Because Tennessee is just such a juggernaut, he will not hold it against you. If you want to back out of this thing <laughs> heading into this game, do, do you have a response to that? Scare money don't make no money, Shane, all right? <laughs> I am not afraid of you and your stupid volunteers in their black uniforms. Like, oh, we're blacking it out. You're wearing black to your own funeral. It's really cute. I appreciate it. And I just I just cannot wait to taste Tennessee volunteers. I cannot wait to hear boo birds. Like the last time Kentucky played at Knoxville. People will forget the last time Kentucky was down in Knoxville. They won. They won that football game. Jerry Garantano threw about 17 pick sixes. I don't think that's the same recipe for a Kentucky victory this time. But nevertheless, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Tennessee whiskey, but it's going to taste so, so good coming from Cousin Shane. Uh, the best the best drinks are free ones, and I, I'm going to be drinking it up heartily after a huge win Saturday night, Cousin Shane. So let me ask you about this uh, this matchup with the fans and everything. I know you're very plugged into this Kentucky fan base. Is this the game more than any other that Kentucky fans want to win? You know, the, I, I think it is this year. Uh, for the longest time it was, especially when Bobby Petrino was at Louisville, like there was so much animosity between the two programs then. And, you know, they had Lamar Jackson and everything was exciting then. But I, I do feel like the wins have shifted because – I mean, over the last 10 years, man, man, maybe, you know, go back to even the last six, right? Maybe it started in 2017. Kentucky's win-loss record, I don't have it in front of me. I, I, I haven't been crunching the numbers as usual. I had, had a kid recently, so we're not, we're not doing as much homework. But Kentucky has a better record over the last five, six years, and yet they've only got two wins to show for it, right? This has been the team that, I mean, especially in that 2018 season where it was one of Kentucky's best teams ever, they go and lay a stinker down in Knoxville. This is the one program that you're close to you're you're more similar than you are different and yet they've consistently had the upper hand this one this win could go a long way because of how much it could hurt the other team right it's kind of similar to and it's it's not the exact same but it's kind of how it was when Tennessee beat Alabama when you're able to exercise those demons and finally get one up on the rival 
this could go a long way to really shut up those balls who, you know, as good as they've been as of late, the difference last year, it was just a pick six, right? That that was the game. It was a shootout that came down to one big turnover for Tennessee. I, I think the game really can be a close uh, down to the wire. It's all coming down to who makes the biggest plays in crunch zone. What's your confidence level that the Kentucky offensive line will hold up? They've had two weeks to prepare, get healthy. Will Levis getting uh, back to health. What's your confidence level that they hold up against Tennessee? You know, actually, a lot of people would be more worried about uh, Tennessee's offense and how you match up with them. But I'm, I'm, you, you make a great question though, Mike, because I'm, 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 I'm probably more worried about the offensive side of things. Like the key for Kentucky to win this game is can they turn scoring opportunities into touchdowns and not just field goals? Uh, running the football, they've shown signs, right? Like Chris Rodriguez was once again a monster against Mississippi State. He looked like old Chris Rodriguez once again. Um, they are going to be healthy once again on that offensive line. But it's will you be able to score? I brought that Ole Miss game earlier. Final three possessions, turnover on downs in Ole Miss territory, turnover, turnover inside the Ole Miss red zone. They're good at moving the ball. Uh, and they're good at actually dictating the pace of the game. If there was a, uh, they, they, I think they can make this a limited possession game. But it, it all comes down to: Are you kicking field goals? Or are you scoring touchdowns at the end of drives? Uh, Kentucky a year ago under Liam Cohen, they were outstanding in the red zone and they were outstanding on third downs. Kentucky's still good on third downs thanks to Will Levis, but they're leaving too many points off the scoreboard when they get uh, in opponents' territory. Now, I realize you're not a, a coach. And, and the, you know, those guys in Lexington, they're getting paid for a reason. But what would Nick Roush, what would your game plan be for Kentucky heading into this matchup? Would you would you try to limit the possessions of Tennessee and pound with Chris Rodriguez? Or do you look at it this like, hey, as good as Kentucky's defense is playing, they're probably, I mean, giving up 30 points would be a good performance. Tennessee's averaging 50. Uh, mm -hmm. Would you try to outscore them with Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez and and these outstanding receivers that that should really that matchup should favor Kentucky because Tennessee's secondary has been so average at best this season. Yeah, if I think I'm doing one thing to try to throw a curveball, if you will, it's 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 maybe throw it a little more on first down, right? And it doesn't have to be anything. Over, you know, even if it's just a screen to Barry on Brown, he showed us in that old Miss game. He, he caught two screen passes and had 80 some odd yards, right? Like, you don't have to do a lot for these receivers to get a lot of receiving yards. It looks like Tavion Robinson is going to be back for this game after the Virginia Tech transfer, missed the Mississippi State game. I, I think a lot of it is just trying to. You, you can't forget about Chris Rodriguez, right? Because he's your most consistent playmaker. But when they're selling out for the run, you've got to be able to dump it over the top of those linebackers that are getting downhill. So I think a lot of it is just it's just getting a good field for when to time up those shots. And a lot of it is probably going to be throwing the ball on first down. That's a dangerous game to play against Tennessee, uh, getting behind the chains. But I ultimately think if you can have some passing success on first down, that the passing game can actually open up that rushing game for Chris Rodriguez where you can create some, some long drives and keep that Tennessee offense off the field. Now, those Kentucky coaches, Nick, they've said, Will Levis, they would take no one over him. Josh Heupel, same thing. Not going to take anyone over Hendon Hooker. Maybe that's coach speak, but 
in your opinion, who's who is going to have a better game here on Saturday? Because it, it may just simply come down to, to which quarterback is more on point on Saturday, particularly if it's a high-scoring football game. No, you, you're you're exactly right, Mike. And and you know, I'm I'm riding or dying with Will Levis, of course. But I think if you look at the the biggest differences between the two uh, this year, it's Hooker is still doing a good job of creating some some yards and some big plays with his feet where that just hasn't been the case with Will Evans this year. He's become much more of a uh, pocket passer, right? He's not jumping over dudes. He's not lowering his shoulder. Um, and, and ultimately that's the, that's the kind of plays, even though you kind of want that, if you're Kentucky, those, the, the biggest game changing, uh, I think some of the biggest game changing plays of the year have been hooker getting aggravating third and 13s with his feet. That's that's I think that is the ultimate difference maker and obviously the turnover category because as good as Will Levis has been and even though he's made a lot of those next level kind of pro football throws that we talk about so often that NFL draft analysts love he has just turned the ball over more and Hooker is I I swear I my biggest bet going into the season is that there's no way he can keep playing at that level you know what Hendon Hooker you could definitely keep playing this well there's no chance you're going to commit three turnovers against Kentucky. It's impossible. There's no way he's going to get worse. I, it's, it's just he, – he's just one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen, and no way he's going to make a bunch of just definitely just game-crushing mistakes. It would be just such a shame if that happened against Kentucky. Yeah, brilliant. I see what you did there. Well, let me ask you real, a follow-up real quick on that. Is, why is Will Nevis, Will Levis not running? Is it, is it because he's been banged up, or is it more because we've seen – you know, the drop-off without Will Levis in the lineup, they just can't afford to get him hurt. See, and, and a lot of it is a, a conscious decision by the coaching staff. Like, if if we if we let the uh, – if we let go of the rope and just let him run, oh, he's going to. And he's going to lower his shoulder and bad things can happen. And uh, Rich Scangarello, a guy who spent a lot of time in the NFL, just knows, like, it doesn't matter how big and how strong you are you're just going to get a hit that you can't come back from. So I, I think a lot of that was a conscious effort that this guy is going to try so damn hard. If we're going to use him to run, we have to be careful because, I mean, we saw what Kentucky was like without him. The, the, this season's going to go as far as number seven takes him. They can't afford for, for him to get banged up. And a lot of it, too, comes down to when the pressure's breaking down in pass protection – there, there hasn't always been those holes, right? Like when, when the play breaks down, he hasn't had that wiggle room to be able to run and create plays with his legs. Uh, unlike Hendon Hooker, who just he's really slippery. You got to give that guy a ton of credit. Um, he's exceeded my expectations this year, and um, frankly, I just I hope he does not on Saturday because he has been uh, as good. He he's been an outstanding college quarterback, and I'm curious. Um, when you know five six months from now when the draft talk starts how much do teams knock him for playing in this i'm not gonna call it a gimmicky but like it's a very unique college only system how much are they gonna knock him and how much are they just gonna say you know what like this dude just doesn't turn it over he's got a great arm he's he's got to be in the first round pick because he he could end up being that guy uh, a la Lamar Jackson, where they thought that he was just going to be a college star and then he ended up sneaking into the end of the first round and being a, a quality NFL quarterback. All right, moment of truth. Final question here, Nick. I already know what you're going to say. Prediction. Who's winning the football game and do you have a score prediction? Ultimately, I really think this Ole Miss, that Ole Miss game prepared this team a lot for what they're going to see as far as tempo goes. 
Uh, obviously, Ole Miss runs the ball a lot more than than Tennessee will. Um, but also, Kentucky secondary uh, outside of Keedron Smith, they, they've seen this before. No, and Smith even saw it last year down in the the famous mustard game. So they 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 know what they're facing this time, unlike last time. I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a much lower scoring game. And, and really, it's it's going to come down to who can make plays at the end to convert. Tennessee has done it before. But, like, I, here's the thing, Mike. I'm going to say I'm going to give you Kentucky. But I'm ultimately probably going to pick Tennessee uh, to win, like, a 31-28 type of game. Maybe 31-27. Because I'm so – Kentucky has not shown it enough to me this year when it comes down to scoring – um, opportunities, making the most of them, and making silly turnovers. There's been a lot of silly turnovers, uh, a lot of self-inflicted mistakes, whether it be on special teams. I mean, they've snapped two balls. They've given up two safeties this year, just snapping over two sets. They missed extra points. They, you can't do that against this team. It has to go on the other way, and I just don't know if I trust Kentucky enough to do it. So, um, Shane, I'm still not giving up the faith. I'm going to get some bourbon off of you, but ultimately I am going to predict a Tennessee win. Slightly, slightly. Yeah, you've already tweeted the Tennessee black jersey going to a funeral for the Vols. So I'll, I'll be sure to retweet that Saturday night. No one, uh, we saw that. We'll, we'll remind you of it. But we really do appreciate it, Nick. Before you go, tell the audience where to find all your outstanding work. I'm uh, at Roush KSR on Twitter. That's R-O-U-S-H, like the Mustang, Roush Racing. And uh, you can find me at KentuckySportsRadio.com. We've got plenty of podcasts on the Kentucky Sports Radio YouTube. And I also do a radio show on the Big X Sports Radio, 7 to 9 each Monday morning, Monday through Friday. So we tweet out that podcast. It's everywhere. So really appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, let me spread the good Kentucky Big Blue Gospel and would love to dance on Cousin Shane's grave Sunday morning. We're just absolutely – nothing would give me more joy than to do that. <laughs> All right, so there you got it from Nick. And even he, Shane, big Kentucky backer there. Yeah. D likes Tennessee's <laughs> odds to get the win. Maybe, you know, I think he's playing some of that, uh, you know, he's trying to put the jinx, trying to put that hex on them balls. But uh, mm -mm -mm. it's pretty bad for the – I mean, hell, Cousin Ollie may uh, – he, he may have just uh, ex Nick off his Christmas wish list. You know what? I tell you what, people don't know what, what – these guys are doing like Nick and, and Ollie in particular, you know, this rat poison they're spreading all over our Twitter. <laughs> I know what you're doing. I, I know exactly what y'all are doing and, and getting us, it, they're creating that trap game scenario. And I could see right through it, Mike, but that's again, what worries me because every time you talk to somebody, they want to mention the Georgia game. They want to mention sec championship potential shots of the college football playoffs yeah. you think we're going to the bcs national champ <laughs> just because we beat alabama no we're not we gotta go one game at a time that old cliche uh you know get the cleats in the ground as, as stoops <laughs> likes to say so brother this is going to be an, an awesome game and there's going to be a lot of alcohol exchanged after this thing hell there'll be alcohol <laughs> exchanged during this thing because i'm gonna it's a night game it's going to be an awesome electric environment environment uh i do want to i want to the bourbon bet's done everybody keeps asking me how do i get in on this action I, i'm done all right i got three here uh two longtime listeners we got ollie todd they are in the on the bourbon bet and now we got nick he's probably he probably you know he's got all them diapers and stuff now so it's probably like a tiny bottle of bourbon one of them ones you get at the airport that's okay whatever he can send i'll take it <laughs>
<laughs> well, speaking of rat poison, Shane, if that's your cup of tea, John Reed is here to deliver it. Fox Sports Knoxville, another outstanding and entertaining interview, this time from the from the Tennessee side. So let's kick it over to John. Speaking of wrestling, I can see him coming off the top rope like the <laughs> ultimate warrior. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, we're pleased to once again be joined by friend of the show, John Reed. Of course, you know him, host of Talk Sports on Fox Sports Radio, Knoxville, and of course, uh, Reed's Ranch Podcast. He's been covering Tennessee, and I, I just I thank my lucky stars that we got a guy like John Reed, otherwise Greg Schiano, maybe the coach up here at Tennessee. So, John, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. How you doing, my friend? It is funny how, uh, you know, a couple years ago, people were like, ah, man, we maybe should have just let the whole Schiano thing go because Jeremy Pruitt sort of suck. Way to go, idiot. Thanks for stopping it and ruining everything. So now all of a sudden, Tennessee, you know, maybe a, a week away from being the number one team in the country when when the college football playoff rankings come out, it's crazy how fast, you know, things go. And even here, you know, with me and you, I know I've came on the show with you twice. At one point we were talking about, you know, where's Tennessee go with the coaching search. And I was like, you know what, let's go with the defensive coach with, you know, let's kick the tires on somebody like Gerard Mayo. If we're going to get so far down our list. And of course, Tennessee with an, with an offensive coach and it's paying huge, huge dividends. And then the other time we came on, we were talking about, Hey, you know, Maybe Tennessee needs to take things seriously because they're falling behind. You know, I think the phrase I used, Mike, was they need to decide if they're a big boy or not because they had just lost out on a transfer. I believe it was Isaiah New York, you know, coming from Wyoming. He chose Texas instead. And we just had a conversation where it was like, you know, Tennessee is at a, a crossroads where we are, you know, we have to decide if we are a big boy or not. And I was worried that we were going to decide we were not, but Right after that, the NIL stuff started really rolling. Spire Sports, shout out to them. And pretty much everything from that moment on has been gold for all of Tennessee athletics. So you win some, you lose some, it's fun. <laughs> well, yeah, well, in Tennessee, all they've been doing is winning this year, John, of course. And, and you know, fans are excited. This is a great time to be a Tennessee ball. But let me ask you this. If you were to go up against Tennessee – what would your game plan be? Because I'm. this is, I think, the biggest question heading into this Kentucky game, going into this Georgia game two weeks from now. Do you try to outscore Tennessee and, and maybe you know get a turnover here or there? Or do you just try to limit their possessions and, and, and kind of do game control? Because that was the plan at, for Kentucky, it seemed like, last season. But, hell, not even that worked. So how would you go about trying to defend or stop Tennessee's winning streak? Yeah, the Kentucky game was so funny last year because, you know, time of possession, it was like 46 to 14. And it was just a, a perfect combination of Kentucky being able to sustain long drives and Tennessee just hitting one or two play touchdown drives, mixing with the pick six. So, like, you kind of threw time of possession out the window. I mean, really, the way I think you stop Tennessee's offense is to go back to 2021 and start faking cramps again. But it seems like the SEC has really kind of put a stop to that. I know they haven't really said anything publicly, but you can't convince me that there wasn't like a memo sent to coaches to be like, hey, we can't do this anymore. No more. Because you haven't seen it, you know, sport-wide, league-wide so far, you know, the entire year when that was maybe the number one or number two talking point. I think with Tennessee, 
it's as simple as if Tennessee can pick up one first down, they are going to score. Because once they can go really fast, you have no chance. Like Alabama got lost with Tennessee's tempo and matchup problems, the wide splits and motion. And, you know, the, the fact they're trying to put these guys out on the island and make these college kids make snap decisions and make the correct read. And if not, Jalen Hyatt's running 50 yards down the field. I think the only chance you have of stopping Tennessee and, you know, knock on wood and, you know, all of that, but you just gotta, you gotta slow down the tempo and no one's been able to really do that so far. And this year, Tennessee's just been so much more effective at, you know, running the ball and then, you know, turning that into big plays. You, you, people always kind of talk about Tennessee being an air raid offense. I couldn't be further from the truth. Like they are a chew you up and spit you out on the ground and then go over your top. Like they're really, really balanced. And as soon as, like I said, they pick up eight yards and get the second and two, and then you're going fast, and you, then you get a first down, and next thing you know, Tennessee's in the end zone. Your only hope is to, you know, fall down and grab your leg, it seems like. <laughs> well, you hit on a player I wanted to ask you about, John. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, I mean, he's he's in the zone right now. He's unstoppable, seemingly. I mean, he's got more touchdowns than, than damn near half the league in the SEC receiving-wise. Can you recall, and it doesn't even have to be football, but can you recall a, a Tennessee athlete being on, on such an incredible hot street that Jalen Hyatt's on right now? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I can't. And, you know, other sports, I'm sure there's been a Tennessee baseball player who's been smashed in home runs. Gilbert Beck, you know, one of those guys really had a, a run like that. Trey Lipscomb last year. Basketball, I mean, Grant Williams was pretty damn good, you know, winning back-to-back, -back, you know, or being, you know, back-to-back -back SEC player of the year. He was on a, you know, a big streak, but what Hyatt's doing just to kind of go from promising rookie, promising freshman, I should say, that showed a couple of flashes, mostly only in the Alabama game. You know, he burned Patrick Sartan a couple of times. They're like, okay, there's something here. If we can harness that, this guy has what it takes. And then all of last year was pretty much, I mean, I hate to say it, but I think he would tell you the same thing, was pretty much a non-factor. And you looked and you're like, man, is this a guy that's maybe going to hit the transfer portal? Is this a guy that's going to be like, hey, I got to get out of here because I've gotten passed up. Instead, he said, you know what? I decided I had to take things seriously. I decided I had to have to hit the weight room. I have to learn the offense. And then, you know, just to see him kind of explode, even game one didn't do much. Game two against Pittsburgh. I think if you go back, I think he had 10 catches for like 90 yards or just kind of Pittsburgh was kind of give him the easy free five or six yard pass. And he wasn't doing much with it, but was taking what the defense gave him. And then the moment Cedric Tillman went out, it was like, okay, now let's just spread the ball around. Let's just exploit matchups. And Hyatt has been on a run that, you know, Kelly Washington, you know, maybe back in the day or even Cedric Tillman that, you know, at the end of last year, those are special runs you get on as a wide receiver. And he's on a hot streak. He has one touchdown away from already tying the school record for single season touchdown records, uh, taking, a, you know, tying up Marcus Nash. That, that's ridiculous to be in game six and already looking at that hmm. now a lot of people john have started to compare this tennessee team to the 2019 lsu team but according to my listeners you were the first one to, to kind of get those get that train going down the tracks what 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 did you see in this team that made you th think of that 2019 lsu team and and your confidence level that may, they can finish the deal Hendon Hooker can win the Heisman and win a national championship. I, I realize that's that's still a, uh, you know, that may be a tall task, but do you think this team can can finish the deal? Well, I mean, you know, the conversation started 12 to 3 every day, talk sports, fan run radio. The conversation kind of started as a joke 
like a bit or just like it was a i won't say a joke it was like what's the ceiling for this team what's the best case scenario for this team because you know you're talking like hey this team could maybe go 10 and 2 and lose to everybody but georgia and alabama like that's very realistic you know and then you're just like well actually if everything clicks hidden hooker i mean if you check the comparison to joe burrow like joe burrow wasn't joe burrow until joe burrow was joe burrow you know what i mean like Joe Burrow, his first year of 2018 at LSU, he was a solid quarterback, but it wasn't really until that UCF player took a cheap shot on him and got the personal foul penalty after the interception that he became a different guy. And, you know, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, those are great, great wide receivers in the NFL. They were great wide receivers at LSU, but, you know, you looked at Tennessee's receivers, you're like, okay, Cedric Tillman, his numbers are pretty good, and you knew there was some potential there with, with Jalen Hyatt and Brew McCoy was a five-star. You're just like, if everything clicks, this offense can just outscore you. And much like LSU's defense was in 2019, they didn't really win games for you. They got better as the year went on. And, you know, when the offense is putting such pressure on the other team that you, uh, you know, you can capitalize on some mistakes and such. But we kind of just started talking about it as the ceiling of the team. And then, you know, you get to the Pittsburgh game and it wasn't as high scoring, but it was kind of like reminiscent of the Texas game in 2019 where LSU, you make one play and Joe Burrow, you know, takes it from a six-point game to a 14-point game and boom, it's over. And like, hey, you survived that game. Then you get more time. You start clicking. You start clicking. And, you know, that that's kind of how this season has played out. And, again, I don't know if Jalen Hyatt's going to be anything close to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in the NFL, but Tennessee's got a pretty good stable of wide receivers and Hendon Hooker. I don't think he's going to be the number one pick in the draft like Joe Burrow, but I do think he is well positioned to win the Heisman. And I do think he has a expertise of this offense. I think the offense is explosive. I think the defense is good enough. And you're just going to have to line up and outscore Tennessee, much like you did that LSU team. And no one could do it. No one could match up with all those wide receivers. And, you know, Tennessee, if they get Cedric Tillman back, is going to, you know, just add to their riches already on offense. Mm. Now, I may have already just kind of played into this, so I apologize for you know putting the cart in front of the horse, but we're talking Heisman. We're talking college football playoff. Uh, we're, there's an epic, epic Georgia game in two weeks. What are the odds, in your opinion, that Tennessee is overlooking a, a dangerous Kentucky team coming into Neyland Stadium? Should Tennessee you know, be taking this team a little bit more serious as a as a challenger to potentially pull the upset? No, nah, see, it's a good question, Mike. Like, me personally, my focus is almost like 95% on the Georgia game. I have, you know, I got my tickets today. I've got my logistics I'm planning out. Like, I'm figuring out how to get down there. I don't view Kentucky really as a threat. To me, it's all about, you know, what, November 5th? Like, can you line up and win the biggest regular season game of the season. However, I'm not playing football. I don't have to worry about being focused on Kentucky because I'm not going out there to play. I think Josh Heupel has had the boys ready to play every week. Like if there was a chance for a letdown game, would you not have looked pretty sloppy against Tennessee Martin a week after beating Alabama? I understand the defense gave up a touchdown, their second drive, but you know, the offense was ready. The defense was ready, you know, after that one drive. And it was about as sharp as Tennessee's looked all year. I have a lot of confidence that Josh Heupel is focused on the bigger goal. But most importantly, I think this Tennessee team is special when you just look at the leadership of the team. I know people are starting to make fun of Hendon Hooker's age, of him being 24 years old. But, like, there is a value in him being old. Like, he is mature. He is locked in. 
he is, you know, focused on the goal. You have Darnell Wright. You know, you have some defensive guys who have been here and, and, and know that, like, hey, this is a chance for a special season. Let's lock in. Let's win every game. Maybe the black jerseys help. Maybe dark mode helps. Maybe, you know, breaking out the, the black, which did you see? Looks pretty sharp. Maybe yeah. that gets the guys juiced up. I think the crowd's going to be fired up because the crowd, you know, is going to be electric because they know that right now you are in the midst of what could be a very, very, very special season. So I, I, I find it almost impossible that it would come out and lay an egg. Like I really do. So I don't, I don't think that they are overlooking Kentucky. I am overlooking Kentucky. <laughs> I 100% am. I don't think they can keep up with Tennessee. I don't think they can block Tennessee's defensive line. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball like they did last year because their offensive line is nowhere near as good as it was last year. And Tennessee's run defense is much, much better than it was last year. I don't want to say this is going to be a complete replay of the LSU game, but like I didn't think Jaden Daniels could hurt Tennessee through the air. I'm not sure Will Levis can hurt Tennessee through the air. Not so much because I don't think Will Levis is good enough. I don't think he's that good, but also because I just don't think Kentucky's going to be able to block Tennessee. And it's one of those situations where, you know, if you get down a couple scores and then you can kind of pin your ears back and send a bunch of pressure, like I think he might be in for a long, long day. Because, I mean, you're, you're the SEC expert. Kentucky's offensive line, worst at pass protection in the league, right? Yeah. Were they, them, were they like dead last in like sack rate? I thought I saw they were last, at least heading into last week. Like, I know they ain't been very good at blocking and they were giving up four sacks a game. That That's 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 pretty tough. Yeah. They pretty tough to come in and kneeling who's going to be really loud and, and be able to handle that. They've been about as pathetic as you can imagine for not not only pass blocking but run blocking. Now Chris Rodriguez has come back and and yeah. he's he's been a beast, but I th but he's just so talented that I think he can even be hit behind the line of scrimmage and somehow still turn it into a three yard gain. So, yeah, I mean I I think you have a great point there. Let me ask you about this Kentucky series, John. Do you even does it even rank on your scale as a rivalry? for Tennessee or or is it not even close to say the top three on Tennessee's schedule? Oh no, no, no. Tennessee uh Tennessee, Kentucky is a is a huge rivalry in in basketball. <laughs> in football, I don't I don't think about Kentucky football. No, no. I'm 32 years old. They've beat me three times. One time they got, you know, they should have gotten Derek Dooley fired when the team was like, actually, we don't want to go to a bowl game. We don't really care about this. We don't want to go six and six. How about we just get to chill over Christmas break? We lost to a wide receiver playing quarterback because we scored seven points with maybe until Josh Heupel got here, maybe the best offense we had had in 20 years because they're all just like, eh, eh, we're good. The other time was Butch Jones's four and eight season when you still almost went in there and beat them. You were a, you, you, you threw a Hail Mary. They got called at the three-yard line. You almost won that game. You were winning the whole game. You still almost beat Kentucky. And the other one, you know, of course, was a, a COVID-shortened season. Jeremy Pruitt, lame duck, three and seven, which, by the way, Mike, the, the COVID year didn't count. Asterisk didn't count. Kentucky has never won inside Neyland Stadium in my lifetime. They haven't won there in, what, 40 years? I'm not counting it when it's 25% full. Kentucky is going to see a raucous 100% crowd on Saturday, and that whole, like, can't win in Neyland thing is going to continue. So, no, no, Kentucky is not a rival in football. Absolutely not. The only thing that would have made it that is the beer barrel, but we got rid of that. Otherwise, they are completely irrelevant. They want to beat Tennessee. I think we are a rival to them, but no, no, no. Kentucky does not move the needle for me. Yeah, and if you need any further proof that the COVID season was bogus, Jimbo Fisher had a good year down at A&M just in Thank that you. year. Thank you. Yes, great point. 
<laughs> so, hey, it may be, the answer may be neither. But So who scares you more going into this matchup, Will Levis or Chris Rodriguez? Well, I mean – I mean, the, the running back, I mean, Chris Rodriguez is awesome. Like, he, it is, it, since he got back, he's gotten better every week. Like, he, you know, last week he ran for, what, 190 yards? I mean, he was awesome. But I think if it's – I don't think he can win the game. So, I guess I have to say Will Levis because if Tennessee is going to struggle, it's going to have to be because Will Levis actually looks like the number one pick. Why – again, I don't care at all about Kentucky football. I haven't watched really them play all year. Why is he not running the ball this year? Is it, is it because he's a first-round pick and wants to protect himself? Is it because the offensive line is so bad he's getting hit so many times? But when I look at his numbers, like last year he was a pretty good runner, right? He had like 380 yards somewhere on there. And mm-hmm. this year he's negative 47 or so, which I understand sacks take away from that. But that like his longest run of the year outside of like one of their ball games is like seven yards. Like he isn't, you know, doing anything in the run game. Yeah, Why that's is it. that? That's interesting, John. I, I just had a Kentucky guy on. I asked him the same thing, and it's he said it's a combination of him, him being injured and the fact that, hell, we've seen the backup. There was, he so got awful they lost to South Carolina at home. So it's, you know, this has to be a Will Levis takeover game, kind of like Anthony Richardson you get, had against Tennessee and still that was not even close to enough to to get the Florida Gators a victory. But I will tell you this, if, if you don't know much about Kentucky, they do got a trio of receivers, Tavion Robinson, Barry and Brown, Dane Key. Those are dangerous, dangerous players. And I think Kentucky's going to have a major edge in this matchup when we're talking their receivers versus Tennessee's secondary. So it, it could be a shootout style game, but I sure as hell would not favor Kentucky in a shootout over this Tennessee offense. So let me ask you, moment of truth here, John, what's what's your score prediction for this game? I mean, you're right about Anthony Richardson. You know, he played his ass off against uh, against Tennessee, but it still wasn't close enough. Like when you when you saw, you know, 53 minutes go by, it was what, 38 to 20, 38, mm-hmm. 21, whatever it was. So like it, as well as he played, it still wasn't going to be close enough. You talk about the trio of receivers. They are good. They are, they are good. And I guess I shouldn't say I haven't watched Kentucky because I did, I did watch them choke away that old Miss game. But, you know, I, I, I just – the spread's 12. I think the point totals where you're projecting is – I think it's like 38 to, to 24 is kind of what the, the odds makers have for each team's team total. I really think Tennessee is going to win somewhere around like 41, 42 – so like 24, I, I do think that's kind of going to be what it ends up being. I, I think Tennessee wins by at least 17. I I feel comfortable with that. Just because I do think, like you said, you don't want to get in a shootout with Tennessee. Like for as good as Kentucky's wide receivers are, I still don't think you want to get in a shootout with Tennessee when you can't block. To get in a right. shootout, you got to be able to drop back a pass. And when Tim Banks is going to send pressure on Will Levis, and we are going to you know see Tennessee be able to get home because they've done that every game. Make no mistake, I know you didn't get Bryce Young to the ground too often against Alabama, but you were in his face and making him run around and make plays all day. He's Bryce Young. He can make those plays. I don't think Will Levis can. I think he's much more likely to end up like Keaton Slovis did in the Pittsburgh game where he just says, you know, just gets hit, 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 knocked out. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's more likely than him being able to, to keep this game close or win it. All right, John, I've never asked a guest to do this, but two weeks out, you you said you're already focusing on Georgia, and I'll just tell you this. If Tennessee wins comfortably on Saturday against Kentucky, everything I've been told, Tennessee is going to be number one in the debut college football playoff rankings. 
I don't know if that's plays into their fa- you know their favor going to Athens defending national champion undefeated I'm not asking for a score prediction but what are the odds that you think Tennessee can go down to Athens and beat Georgia in two weeks yeah no I mean it's a it's a great question because Tennessee is going to be number one after they beat Kentucky I think their resume is so good but they're also like in the early look ahead lines 13 and a half point underdogs which frankly blows my mind you know, I don't, I don't want to be a homer. I know I might come across as a huge homer here, but like I respect Georgia, but like a 13 point underdog seems kind of crazy when you can score like Tennessee can. But it, the one thing I'm holding on hope to, I guess, since I am rooting for Tennessee, I know, you know, I'm supposed to be media and unbiased, but that's not what we do at fan run radio, but like, correct me if I'm wrong. And maybe there's another instance that I'm missing 2019 LSU played Georgia. I recall LSU's wide receivers being open the entire day against Georgia in the 2019 SEC championship, right or wrong? Correct. Last year in the SEC championship, when Alabama's receivers were healthy, I remember those guys being open all day long against Georgia, right or wrong? Correct. Is that a, and, and last year's Georgia team was better on defense than this year's team, right? Yeah, I think so. And I, I even think if you go to the national championship game, like, I still think those receivers were open. It's just that they were all backups and couldn't catch the ball. Like, I feel like Alabama dropped three big touchdowns or, like, big first downs, and they couldn't score, like, you know, inside the red zone, which, by the way, Tennessee still a perfect 100% on scoring touchdowns if they get a goal-to-go situation. So, like, I know it's a 13-and-a-half-point spread, but I truly feel like it's a 50-50 proposition. Like, I think if Tennessee goes down there and can hit some big plays, they can win. It's going to be tough for Georgia to keep up. I understand they got a top 10 offense too. Like I, I do think they are a very good team. I don't want to act like I don't, but I bought, I spent a godly amount of money, Mike. I spent a godly amount of money on tickets next week. I would not have done that. had I did not think Tennessee could win against Georgia. So I'm, I'm calling it a 50, 50 proposition and I'm holding <laughs> on hope to they haven't been able to stop elite wide receivers. And I think Tennessee's got an elite passing game. Yeah. All right, John. Hey, I appreciate you. Uh, as always, outstanding stuff. Before you go, tell the audience where to find your work. Yeah, sorry everyone didn't get to see me on video. I am a 32-year-old boomer who cannot figure out how to work my video. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter, J-O-N-2 underscores Reed. I'm on the Fox Sports Knoxville app, Fan Run Radio. And then, yeah, you could go to Reed's Ranch podcast. Although, chances are you're probably like, oh, this guy's a jerk. I don't really like this guy. So don't, don't go there. Cause they'll just go and like, give me like one star reviews. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Mike, I appreciate you. And for all the times you've came on my show, I'm glad you returned the favor, my friend. All right, buddy. So, Hey, he likes Tennessee to win big <laughs> hell. He's not even worried about Kentucky. He's got his focus on Georgia and these playoffs and his Heisman trophy. Come on now. Like he said, I'm, I'm, Shane, I'm smiling he, ear to ear, Mike. That, that interview couldn't be long enough, you know? <laughs> but he's right. He's not a player. It don't matter if he's overlooking them as long as the right. team is locked in and ready to play. <laughs> but, uh, man, I, that was a, a treat to have John back on the show. You know what? Oh, it was great to have them both. This was this is what we like, man. Just this rivalries, man. We're we're getting toward the end of this thing, and there's some yeah. there's some key matchups that are going to pop up that that are going to make and break the 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 SEC race. You know, they uh, Kentucky may not go to an SEC championship, but they can really dictate who does. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So this was this was awesome, awesome content. All right, brother. Well, hey, that's all I've got on this episode of the show. You got anything before we hop off the line? 
No, no. I, I, I'm trying to decide, should I go? I'm going to hold off getting the whiskey. You know, I feel like, you know, when you go to the game with a cigar, mm-hmm. you know, for the Alabama, that just, that symbolizes winning. Yep. If I pre-purchase the stuff, then mm-hmm. that just means we're losing. So I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to exercise that option, Mike. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hoping that I don't even need to go to the package store again. So, uh, brother, I'm excited. I, I'm pumped up for some college football. We got our, our scores coming out tomorrow, our predictions. Of course, I pretty much gave you every prediction throughout the week if you've been listening. Of course, I'm easy to read. That's why I don't like playing cards with, with people because... <laughs> I never win. I got a terrible poker face. But, (laughs) brother, uh, we're going to get into that tomorrow. Uh, If you're on the YouTube, I apologize about the no video um, audio. You probably don't care. You're like, I've already seen it. I've already seen him enough, you know. <laughs> I've been waiting for that camera to go out for a long, long time. But, uh, no, I went old school today. But I'll be back tomorrow in all my glory. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, brother, uh, I think that's a good place to uh, to cut it. But, uh, hey, as always, I don't want to forget, you've made it this far. Give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. Leave us a review on Spotify. Follow us on YouTube. Do any of those. We're happy to send you a beer koozie of your choice. We got all 14 SEC teams represented by a koozie. So reach out to us Mm -hmm. at thatsecpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll send that your way. But that's going to do it, brother. I appreciate you as always. I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Check for that rat, boys and boys.